outdoors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to episode 16 of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I'm your host, Ashley Ray, and I have another wonderful week of television for you. We actually do have a pretty nice watch list this week. More TV came back. Shameless had a new episode. There was a new episode of Blackish. So I'm so happy television is back. Superstore was back. We also have some new shows that came out this week that I will be talking about next week. Young Rock and Keenan. So I am obviously very excited for all the new TV that's coming back. And today's episode... I am so excited for this one. I have been talking about it for a while, hinting at it. Today's guest is Eric Edelstein. You know Eric Edelstein from We Bear Bears, Drunk History, The Goldbergs, Twin Peaks, Clarence, Hoops, Fresh Off the Boat, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Shameless, like basically every TV show. Eric is one of my favorite character actors. He is a TV-sman, a TV person, like... He's in everything. As someone who watches everything, I've seen him in everything, and I I can't believe I got to talk to him. Good friend of the pod. Just what a buddy Eric is. So I'm so happy he's on the show today. Uh, We're going to talk about everything. Drunk history. All the shows he's in. We'll get to that. But first, let's get to the watch list. Like I said... Pretty decent size this week. TV is back. I am so happy. I hope you're not watching as much TV as I am because hopefully you're like a healthy, well-adjusted person. But for me, I started off with this week's Saturday Night Live with Regina King. Obviously, SNL has been back for a bit. I, I haven't really talked about it too much on the pod because I do tend to live tweet it as I'm watching. The Regina King episode, Regina was absolutely amazing. She was so game for everything they threw at her. She was a wonderful performer. Obviously, we know she has great comedic talent. That was not going to be a surprise. So I was really excited to see what the writers would do with her, what ideas they would come up with. And like my favorite SNL sketch of the episode was the Peloton one, uh, the digital short about the Peloton bike, you know, taunting you, uh, which didn't have Regina. And really, like, all of the sketches that actually did include Regina kind of fell short. Obviously, I like the weed gummy sketch. Come on. Of course I did. I'm always so happy to see Pete Davidson writing again. So I loved it. But I just, 
Overall, you know, the Gorilla Glue sketch I thought was kind of weird. There was a whole sketch around the woman who put Gorilla Glue in her head. And the premise was, you know, this woman and all these people trying to sue Gorilla Glue for using it improperly. Ignore the fact that the girl who did it was never even going to sue Gorilla Glue. Okay, whatever. You have a premise for the bit. But it just, it didn't make sense because the premise was like, oh, these people are suing Gorilla Glue because they're stupid and they put Gorilla Glue in their hair because they're stupid. And really, this is people who are dumb and don't realize they're dumb. And we know that because like the joke was them just continually going, you're not dumb if you do this. But you know, the joke is, oh, they are dumb. But then the thing is that like sometimes SNL will do this thing where when they have a black host they'll like bring all the black cast members into a sketch together because that's, you know, obviously what the people want to want, like want to see. Like with Issa Rae, they did it. They had sketches with like every current black cast member. Dave Chappelle, you know, you you see it. So for this one, they did that. <laughs> like they pulled in every black character for this one sketch that was supposed to be like, these people are dumb because they're using Gorilla Glue the wrong way. But then it just made it seem like whoever wrote the sketch thought that Gorilla Glue was like a black cultural thing. Because it was like, why is everyone in the sketch black? <laughs> there was no reason. Like they could have 100% like had Kyle Mooney in there with a silly hairstyle and glue on his head. Or like, you know, he could have glued something to his dick, whatever. You know, you didn't have to use all black people. Like Gorilla Glue is not a, a black thing. Like, yes, a black woman did this and like black Twitter, you know, made fun of and supported her. But we're not that's, that's not like a let's bring all the black people together to talk about this cultural moment. So it was just a weird choice when, you know, the butt of the joke was just these people are stupid. So that that I didn't really like that much. So it just felt a little a little shaky. There were also some shaky camera cues, but Regina was great. I also did tweet about (laughs) there was this moment during Weekend Update when like you heard a loud laugh in the audience, like Michael Che told a joke and then this black woman, and obviously it's a black woman. People on Twitter were like, how do you know it was a black woman? Because I know what black women sound like when we laugh. (laughs) So this black woman laughs and it was really loud, but it's, you know, your typical guttural laughter when you enjoy a joke if you've been in you know any sort of black comedy club you're you're not shocked by this reaction to a joke and it was so funny because colin jose who i do believe is a robot was just like what an odd reaction does not compute and then just like continued telling jokes <laughs> and i just thought that was so funny i was just like oh it's so funny that colin jose is like a robot who was never programmed to hear black female laughter and then everybody was, thought I was calling him racist, but I'm not. I'm just, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, it's still funny. Yeah. So that was SNL. Moving on. I want to talk about Superstore. Superstore on NBC. I write about Superstore a lot in the newsletter, uh, but I have not given Superstore its time in the sun on the podcast. I, I love Superstore. I have from the beginning. I try to tell everyone to watch it. People don't listen to me because they don't. It's one of those shows that has suffered from branding issues. You know, it came out around that same time as like The Good Place and all of these like comedies that were a little more, I don't want to say like intellectual, but just a little more high concept. And then Superstore people were just kind of like, oh, it's just like a sitcom about a workplace. 
And I think people really overlooked it. And then you watch it and it is just, it's so clever. It is just one of the best ensemble comedies on TV right now. And I, I just want everyone to go watch it. This is the final season uh, and it is killing it. It is going out on such a high. It has had so many, so many wonderful moments. People in it this season too, new people, Francesca Ramsey, some other people who I absolutely love and Baron Vaughn. This season has been killing it, Superstore. You gotta watch it. I feel ashamed that I haven't been, you know, telling people to get on board the Superstore. My job is to get people to watch the TV. And Superstore is one of the shows you gotta watch. Uh, After that, I watched all of I Hate Susie on HBO Max. I Hate Susie is the story of this aging teen pop star well at this point she's like in her i guess late 30s 40s she's now like an aged actress attempting a sort of comeback when sex photos of her are hacked from her phone and leaked to the public and her whole life just kind of falls apart it's eight episodes it's a british show originally hbo max picked it up uh, and i had heard a little bit about it i heard people saying i should check it out i finally did Absolutely worth it. So good. Uh, I do want to highlight Daniel Ng is in it. Daniel Ng. You might recognize him from Lovesick, The Crown. I like to call him British Nick Miller because he looks like Nick Miller. But if Nick Miller was British. But I I love that guy. Whenever I see him, I'm like, ooh, this is the good stuff. We're about to get just... Eight episodes of that, that BBC good, good, that British broadcasting good, good. That is what we are about to get when I see that guy. So I just dove right into I Hate Susie. I watched all eight episodes in like a day. Uh, I I loved it. It, You know, it's more than just the story of kind of like this woman who is figuring her life out. It's also a larger narrative on sexual assault. And I actually do think it's very tethered to I May Destroy You. If HBO was, you know, doing a better job of marketing their their Max programs, they might highlight that. There are so many parallels between I Hate Susie and I May Destroy You just in how they talk about female friendship and how female boundaries are sort of created in friendships. It's just so fascinating. And one of my favorite episodes of I Hate Susie, the Susie, Susie Pickles, the main character, is trying to find and think of something to masturbate to. And the whole episode takes place, like, as her and her friend walk through her fantasies and try to figure out, like, what is wrong with each one of them or why she's not into it or how it's, like, based in the male gaze and not her true desire And, you know, and then you kind of realize, like, in the end, she's, like, trying to masturbate. And the whole time, like, the one constant has been her friend. Like, she's been thinking about her friend the whole time. So, anyway, I like like things like that. It's just, it's so clever. Check out I Hate Susie. Just stunner, stunning performances across the board. Up next, Bob's Burgers, which... Did not have new episodes where I was, I guess, NASCAR, which I don't really understand, but I guess something with NASCAR happened. And so all of my like Sunday cartoons got messed up. The Great North, Bob's Burgers got messed up. But for Valentine's Day, a thing I always like to do, I like to watch all of the Bob's Burgers Valentine's Day episodes. Uh, I know a few people do this because it's it's really the most fun. And it made me think like... Bob's Burgers is such a wonderful comfort show. I, again, was tweeting about this. If you saw, I I said it is actually the best adult animated comedy. I do believe now. I will firmly say it is Bob's Burgers. Season for season, episode for episode, 
No other show is is giving you the music. No other show is a show you can return to time and time again. And I'm including BoJack in that because BoJack, I love. It's amazing. The character development, the narrative, it moves me. And I also cannot watch it more than probably like five times in my life or I'll get so depressed I'll kill myself. So I don't get that with Bob's Burgers. I can watch any episode of Bob's Burgers a hundred times and I will still be so happy. So, and I mean, that's current and all time. Yeah, I'm talking like all the way back. I'd rather watch Bob's Burgers than Daria. And I love Daria. The only thing kind of coming close to me is Clone High. Uh, And I cannot wait for the Clone High reboot. If anyone out there can just tell me anything about it, please. I am just so excited for that show. So anyway, Bob's Burgers, you already know to watch that show. But I just want to reiterate, it is so good. And the holiday episodes are really, I think, where anyone should start. If you're like, where should I jump in? Just try the holiday episodes. It's it's an easy kind of thread to follow across the show. Up next, Last Week Tonight is back. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. That guy talks really fast. He's talking even, you know, faster than he was before. I think he needs an audience back. He is just, somebody's got to be there to be like, bro, calm, just slow down. You got to slow it down. So funny, funny stuff, though, talking about, you know, I mean, terrified me with the pandemic. Sometimes I'm just like, John, you are yelling and yelling at me. And I don't know what you want me to do about this. I don't know what you expect me to do, man. I, I, don't, I don't know what I can do to get these scientists to study this. I don't know, man. I'm freaking out, too. Let's all calm down. After that, I got a bit into Buried by the Bernards. This is a reality show that just premiered on Netflix about a family that owns a funeral home. Like I said, I I typically do tend to like reality shows like this where they're very based on like, you know, a family and a career. Like that's what got me into Selling Sunset because it's not just, you know, oh, these rich people fighting, but it's like, oh, we're kind of following their career. So this I was like, oh, this isn't just, you know, family fighting. It's like them trying to run this business. And I think the thing is, like, it would have been an interesting concept on its own, but for some reason, it is just so heavily produced and scripted. And of course, every reality show is is pretty heavily produced and scripted. Like, you know, I, I still bling Empire is more scripted than this show. But there's something about the fact that they are just regular people who want to do their best that that just makes it like so many scenes feel like someone is like doing their best to just like read lines in a play and you're like okay you're trying to sell me on this you're really trying to sell me on it but uh you know i I feel like it's enough that they're dealing with like dead bodies and and funerals and stuff you don't need to heighten the drama with like fake conversations and fake arguments between people I'll probably uh, finish it up because that is what I do here I watch tv at tv I say with Ashley Ray we're almost there, you guys, I promise. I, I know this is a this is a longer episode, and I'm going to be... We're almost done with the watch list. Up next, I did Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel on Netflix. A uh, lot of people were talking about this one. I love a good crime scene documentary. I have often said four episodes is the perfect amount of episodes for a documentary series. So when I saw this one, I thought, we're off to a good start. It turns out this is horrible. It is one of the worst documentary series that I I think I've seen in the past year. It's so... Netflix is really just kind of losing the documentary game to HBO Max and, and even at this point Hulu. Hulu, I did really like Fake Famous and obviously on HBO Max, I mean, you have Murder on Middle Beach, 
that, oh, come on, right off the bat. I mean, let's not talk about The Vow. But really, the only missed up HBO Max has had is There Is No I in Threesome, which I will not be talking about on this podcast, although I have written about it on newsletter quite a bit. So anyway... I get into crime scene vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And I will say, like, I knew a lot about this case beforehand. I watch all the YouTube videos. I had, you know, seen this covered other places. So I, I kind of already knew the gist. So for me, it was, like, really frustrating that they were wasting so much time on things that were just so easily disproved by anyone who had any, you know, knowledge of the case. Like, I couldn't believe that they end on this one cliffhanger of like a possible suspect of who they think could have done this. And then the next episode, they're just immediately like, oh, and actually, here's why it couldn't have been him at all. And really, there was no point in us even like bringing this up, really, except to like highlight how miserable it was for him that people kept doing this. But still, that didn't keep us from like tantalizing and like him, you know, trying to like sensationalize the fact that he was here. On top of that, the thing is, like the case, you know, is odd. And yeah, it's a creepy like location. But essentially, it's just like a sad story about this girl who did not get the help she needed. And if you're not going to focus on that angle, all you're left with is, yeah, I don't know, maybe it was like spookiness that did it, like maybe a ghost, which basically they do for an entire episode. There's just like a whole episode where they're like, maybe it was like a ghost, though, or like maybe it was like an like an internet person thinks because a musician wrote a song where someone runs through the woods like they did it. And it's just so silly. It. You know, not everything is a good documentary subject, and sadly, Netflix dropped the ball on that one. And last on the list, Shameless. There was a new episode of Shameless. I'm just talking about it because I thought it was like the worst episode of this final season. I have been so defensive of the show's final season. I feel like like I'm always willing to call Shameless out when it is bad. Because in these last few seasons, it has been so bad. But this this episode was just nonsensical. It didn't make any... There's like a whole scene where Carl is having sex with this girl. And he's, he's like, I want to use a condom. She doesn't do it. And he's clearly startled by this. And he goes to his sister and his siblings. And he's like, that girl, she you know wouldn't let me use a condom. And Debbie, his sister, is like, you were assaulted. You were sexually assaulted because you wanted a condom and she you didn't consent to that. Which is true. That's true. Good point, Debbie. The thing is, Debbie is a character who got pregnant at 16 because she did the exact same thing to a guy. <laughs> he was like, oh, are you on birth control? And let's use condoms. And she was like, yeah, totally on birth control. Yeah, totally, t- totally condoms and tricked him into getting her pregnant. So it's just like, did they just forget about that with that character? Did they just think like, oh, we have to have a girl call this out. But like the only girl around is Debbie. It just reached a point where I was like, okay, who like are the people writing these episodes even aware of what the show used to be? It kind of bummed me out. But we'll always have early episodes of Shameless with Fiona, as it should be. That's the watch list. No clip of the week this week. I I haven't been doing them because here's the thing. When you have a podcast and you want to play clips from a TV show, that's like a thing you have to figure out. And when I was just doing this in my room, I would just do it. And then professional people were like, hey, we should figure that out for you. 
<laughs> so when I can have clip of the week back, we will have clip of the week back. If I had to pick a clip from any of these shows that I have just mentioned, I would have to go with I Hate Susie. There is this amazing scene where her and the husband character like do drugs before this really important dinner. That scene was one of my favorite TV moments. So that is my clip of the week. Up next, we have our interview with Eric Edelstein. And, you know, this is a long episode, first of all. And this interview is incredibly long. And that is because Eric and I 420 blazed it. Best buddy smoked down pals, smoked so much weed, got our Indica cuff chief on, and we just talked about TV. So I'm not going to apologize for this extra long ep. You get to enjoy it. I was thinking like, oh, I could chop it up and like save some for, you know, just the Patreon people or cut it down. No, no. Listen to all of it. I don't care. (laughs) This is my podcast. This is TV I say with Ashley Ray. So enjoy my full conversation with the amazing, wonderful, hilarious Eric Edelstein. take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways your dedicated fidelity advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened visit fidelity.com wealth investment minimum supply fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sipc Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I am so excited about this episode of TV, I say. I have Eric Edelstein on the show. Friend of the pod, friend of the pod. We met on on Doug's pod, Doug Loves Movies. So obviously we're smoking today. This is this is a laid back app. We are 420 Blaze It. We waited until 420 for this app. This is the first ever podcast I've done where the Zoom request is at 420. And I've yeah. never been more proud. This is it's finally somebody thinking, you know? I'm lighting my blunt. I, oh. I saved this like tropical flavored blunt just for this interview. I'm honored. What are what are you smoking? This is like an indica. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so is this. Oh, yeah. I I, love it. I, I feel a, like I, I only do indicas. Well, yeah, indica will actually calm me down. As Normally, I'm a little fast-paced, so indica is yeah. perfect speed for me. I feel like anytime I smoke a sativa, I'm just like, oh, great, I have anxiety. I can't focus on TV. I like need to do 10 things at once. And then indica, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, whatever I'm watching, whatever I'm doing, it's the most interesting thing in the world. That's it. I've, I've had concerts ruined by Sativa, where I'll think of something dumb I said in junior high, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not able to enjoy Neil Young, where I'm like, okay, I think I'm an Indica man. Yeah, yeah, same. Also, my go-to for getting older people into it, because a lot of them, you know, had a bad experience in the 60s or 70s. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start you on 2.5 milligrams of an Indica gummy, and your life is about to change. And yeah. it works. Yeah, my mom, she did not think there was a difference. And she smokes weed. She has smoked weed for as long as I've been alive. She kept it a secret from me when I was a kid. 
But now she like lets me know. And she was smoking this like just trash weed that she would get from some guy. And I was like, mom, I you come to LA. I got to hook you up. You got And she was just like, oh, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. Blew her mind. She was oh, like, yeah. oh, my goodness. The wedding cake is different from the 805. And I'm just like, there you go. See, uh-huh. and the wedding cake is incredible. I love wedding cake. It's my favorite. Obviously, when we were on Douglas Movies, we were talking about character actors, what it's like being a character actor. You are are one of the biggest, I would say. You've been in so many shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Fresh Off the Boat, Drunk History, The Goldbergs, Twin Peaks, Clarence, Hoops, We Bear Bear, Shameless, and like... <laughs> I I would keep going. That's like and that's like everything I watch. You've also been in a ton of movies, but this is a TV podcast. Don't care about the movies. This is all the TV I watch, and people are always like, "You watch the Goldbergs and like Fresh Off? You watch all of these sitcoms?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I do." So I just see you all the time. We go way back, like me seeing you on television. I remember uh, Workaholics. You were in. Yes, yes, one of my many lunatic uh, security officers I played. Yeah. So how how did you become this character actor? It's so funny. I mean, they were always the guys I idolized and looked up to as a kid. Yeah. And I, when, you know, and I like when you I, were watching shows, you'd be like, I want to be him. And your parents would be like, oh, who? Like the main guy? And you'd be like, no, that guy in the back. The weird looking guy. The guy that dies. <laughs> the stranger. But you would see those people pop up. And I just saw a great character actor documentary called, about Dick Miller, who's just one of those faces. And I just love it because you do a bunch of different things and you can always, usually now I can walk through something somebody's seen me on. So they'll go from being real skeptical because people love to be skeptical. Like just if it comes up and I don't even ever volunteer, like you're an actor, what have you been in? And now, thank God, I can usually find something most people have seen. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to watch them get happy. Yeah, I, I feel like there's so much. And I, I don't know, I feel like with character actors, it'll be like, oh, yeah, that person was in Shameless. And then I like went and rewatched your episodes. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean, the show's been on for so long. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this whole plot was so great. And that was an early one where I've kind of figured out if you just do it as yourself and you can just say the most awful lines and it just works. It's like an acting cheat code. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. And the shameless was kind of the one where I'm like, I'm just being me, but saying something awful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's so fun to do. And it she's, is, yeah. Nice. Emmy Rossum is one of the nicest, kindest, generous. Yeah. But most people are. That's one of the fun things I found, Ashley, because I grew up loving this and I can't believe it got to work out. 95% are just magical legends. It's so That's- cool. That's good to hear. You know, like I just moved out to LA like two years ago from the Midwest and I'm, I'm so used to Midwest niceness and everyone's like, isn't everyone out there so mean and scary? And I'm, I don't know, it doesn't seem that way so far. Well, cause you found your pack and you'll find your tribe, you know? And like, yeah. I remember moving down here, I'm like, people don't smile or they're not nice on the street. I'm still going to be that way. If you stay that way, you find the other people that stay that way. Yeah. Where you just, you, know, you find the laid back people. The people who don't have the ego and stuff. And I, I feel like, I don't know, a lot of the character actors are my friends who do character acting. That's those people who are just like, I'm happy to help make this show better and to just make it funny and to live this role. And that's what I always liked. I'm a little curious. You said, you know, you're all, you, you always like looked up to these people growing up. When you were growing up, what TV did you watch? What, what were your favorite shows? My absolute favorite was the original Jack Lord Hawaii Five-0. 
I, that would be the one I would watch when I'd stay home from school. And then I just love like Cheers, Seinfeld. And then I loved Arsenio Hall. My parents let me have Arsenio coupons so I could turn in one a week to stay up that late. <laughs> My mom did my mom did a similar thing with the Daily Show. Arsenio Hall is cooler than that. Way better. That's way cooler. Daily Show is pretty great too. And I was just like, "Mom, please, I need to see John Stewart." And you're like, "Yeah, Arsenio Hall. That's like We played sax with Clinton and had yeah. We probably don't talk about him enough. He was pretty amazing. And then Letterman I found the same time and like then I really became about late night stuff and I'd watch a ton of late night stuff with my grandfather too. It was a yeah. comedy writer who he was in Medford, Oregon, but he'd send jokes to people and he'd sell them to so like Phyllis Dillard. So he got me really into comedy. Like he was like a 73 year old dude that got me into like Larry Sanders show. That's awesome. Yeah. And then he would, my parents wouldn't let me get, I, I'm dating myself here, the cassettes with the explicit lyrics. Yeah. Thing. My grandfather would, but he'd make me get a jazz album too. So he's like, <laughs> All right, this two live crew, you're just getting it because it's controversial. We're going to sandwich it in with something cultural. Right. And I think uh, Branford Marsalis at Medford, Oregon Mall was what yeah. he was giving me, and we're, we're grateful. Yeah, you know, you got to do the highbrow, lowbrow. I feel like I do that with, with my fan. They were the same way, where my mom would be like, oh, gosh, she's into, like, the most horrible comedy, and she, like, loves, I, like, I loved weirdo stuff like The State and Reno 911 and, like, stuff like that. And then she'd also be like, I don't know, she's, she's in jazz band, so I guess she's a nerd. I don't. You know what? What? What was I doing? Are you still into jazz? Because I feel like I got into it late. I mean, I it's interesting because I would say I definitely am. Uh, I actually just interviewed Branford Marsalis a few months ago. Yeah, for he did Ma Rainey, uh, and I interviewed him to talk about that movie and the soundtrack, which I was like jaw on the floor because like the way that I came to love Branford Marsalis was being in jazz band in high school, but I was like the only black kid in my school. And so it was like this jazz band full of white guys who were like, we love Fish and Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones. And we also are going to play jazz. And you, this is the black girl with the afro to make us look legit. And I would just like do my solos and just do whatever. And then I like loved Branford Marsalis because he would play with Bella Fleck and like Fish and stuff. And I was always like, he's like a cool black guy who like, you know, made these bands tolerable. <laughs> so like when I got to interview him, I was just like, oh my gosh, please tell me about my rainy. So, like, in that sense, I'm like, yes, I'm into jazz, but, like, I also would say I don't listen to, like, any new stuff. Like, I feel like I picked my favorite songs, and then after 27, I was just like, I don't listen to new music anymore. Do you do any of the hippie music? Do you want to guess how many times I've seen Fish? I'll let you guess. Oh, okay. 37. Wow. 29. Amazing. That's, I, I would say full performances, I'm at 12, like, where I actually, like, had tickets to go in. And then it's 29 if you're counting, like, I hung out in a parking lot at a fish show. That, that counts. You that counts, which counts, you know? Yeah. That was like eerily close though. I was like, oh, he's going to like undershoot this or it's going to be, no, he's going to say something no. crazy. That was like, I almost felt like just saying, yeah, because you were so close. I wish you would have. I really, yeah. I would have. I'm so sorry. I, I would have flown. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. I, Guess how many times I've seen Neil Young. 67. Whew, very close. I think 51. Wow. Yeah. I like Neil Young. Never. I've never. I, I always listen to Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. My favorite song was One Morning I Woke Up and I Knew. Oh, that's my fucking jam, that song. And But I never got into his solo stuff, I guess. If you went and were in the pit, if you're in a fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you go crazy because it's all guitar solos. Every show's different. Every show he sneaks something in, but he'll do an 18 minute song, no problem. 30 minute songs. And I also love the dead, love other. Oh, yeah. Love the dead. I think twice have a ton of respect. And then I saw Trey when he played the last Grateful Dead shows. Uh, and that was where I was like, I can't, this is. I wanted to, I wanted to go to one of those shows so bad. I didn't oh, get a chance. Man. That was, that to me was like the dream. I don't even know what dumb bullshit I was doing in my life that I couldn't go. But I just remember being like, wow. You won't miss it next time. When we're all there, we'll be more grateful than ever because we've got oh this shows. God, I miss shows. I miss, oh, I miss just being at a parking lot at like a, a dead show. I miss oh, the whole culture, all of it. It's, have, now, have you seen Dead and Company? No. Oh, friend. I, I'll be honest. I was always more of a fish person because I was always like, oh. if I can't see, oh. you know, the real Grateful Dead, it's not the same. So I always just kind of gravitated towards fish. But I, all my friends are just like, get over it and go see them. It's worth it. I think when pandemic's over, you'll be there at the Hollywood Bowl. Because the other oh, yeah. crazy thing is all of Highland was shut down. And it was like everybody in the community, every everybody and people that had not clearly had not done this in 20, 30 years were Highland was shut off and people are doing balloons. Yeah. Oh. The people were just too massive. Yeah. Oh, it just, yeah, it takes over. Uh, In Chicago, the last show I went to, which actually it might've been a dead fish show. It was a parking lot one for me. (laughs) You know, I was just doing drugs in the parking lot, helping my friends sell drugs in the parking lot of a fish show. That's what you do in your twenties. And like, there were so many people. It was on, uh, Oh, what is that Island? That little Island off of Lake Michigan, whatever brotherly Island. I don't think that's right, but it's just like fish people taking over this Island, like families trying to picnic. And it's just like, get out of here. We're playing like hacky sack, bro. It's beautiful. It's, it's family. Have you put on any live shows, whatever your favorite live show you ever saw was, and then just force yourself to put your phone in the other room, which is the big challenge for me. And I will put on a live show I love. And I've been doing this a lot because live music, it's my favorite thing. And it's what I, what I do. Yeah. I swear the energy's alive. If you turn it up, you can summon it and it's glorious. It's so wonderful. And you're back there. Yeah, you're back there. I do that actually. Mom, I know you're listening. I'm so, she always gets so shocked when I talk about drugs. But when I do psychedelics, I love to do that. Just like turn the lights off and play like a bootleg of a live show I was at. It's the best time. You're kind of back there. Yeah. I've I've gotten through this weird time. And also, I'm about you. I did that for my birthday back in November. (laughs) What would you listen to? I did uh, Ani DeFranco in Chicago. Amazing. That's one of the first like concerts I ever went to. Uh, I loved her from like sixth grade on. And my boyfriend at the time like bought me tickets to this show. My boyfriend was like two grades older than me. And my mom was really strict. And she was like, I'm going to the show with you. And then she bought tickets at the at the door. And the thing about Ani is she saves floor tickets for fans who buy tickets that day. She saves orchestra pit tickets. So my mom got one. And I was like, yo, Andrew, my boyfriend, fuck you. You got to sit with my mom because I am going to sit in this goddamn pit for Ani to you have to. Yeah, and that's uh, that's exactly what I did. That's what I did, and yeah, it was the best time. I had no, don't regret that. So. No, I'm I'm also I don't know about you. I'm great going to show by myself. Oh yeah. And so I've done the thing where I'll reshuffle seats, where I'll find like 
if I have a good pair, but then later on the secondary markets, I find like a crazy good seat. Yeah. I'll put two friends I know love each other back there. I'm like, I'm going down front. Y'all I'll go by. Oh, I love going to shows by myself. Uh, yeah, oh, Amy Mann. Yeah. Amy Mann, Ben Folds. I saw the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs by myself like uh, last year, I think it was. My, yeah. Like, you like, oh, I love going to shows by myself. I don't know. And as a girl, it's like interesting because I don't know. I always tend to find a partnership with another girl and we're just like ladies, sisters doing it for ourselves, looking out for each other. Like I'll watch her spot, like make sure she's good. And then there's always like these other girls who are like, you two are brave. Like you're brave. You're here by yourself. It's wow. Look at you guys. And you're just like, thank you. Okay. I'll take it. It's great. Gosh, I, I love all this music talk. That is special. You know what? We don't talk about movies here on TV, I say, but music, that's that that works. What was uh, the last show you saw before the lockdown? Oh my gosh. The last show I saw, uh, oh my God, I can't think of like the band's name or anything. Damn, I really did just get so high so quickly. Do you know the, the singer Sir, S-I-R? He's like an R&B singer. He's in this group and it's like him, Schoolboy Q and like a bunch of Chicago musicians. They were out in LA doing a show all together and I saw them. And then there was a girl who I love who performs with them. And I cannot think of her name, but she is a rapper and she's really good. But she was with them too. Her name starts with a K, I think. That's the last show I saw. And it was pretty good. It's interesting because it was really low energy. I was kind of like sad because people weren't really dancing that much. And now looking back, I'm really just like, ah, oh, stupid LA cool. Like everybody just standing around. Like we didn't know what we had. I think you'll see people appreciate No one's ever going to phone it in again. Yeah. LA is a weird one because some people have to be there for their work. Those so people like hate it and kind of resent it here sometimes. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Every t- Sometimes once a week, you know what I do? I'm going to share this. You know what I do? I walk around, I listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers and I go, wow. I really live in California. And the music probably helped bring you here. Yeah, you know, when I drove here, I when I crossed the border, I did put on Californication. I was like, I'm doing it. I don't give a shit. Like, fuck yeah. What was uh, your last show before the quarantine? Well, on the Saturday before, I saw Jonathan Wilson at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And it was already known it was kind of there, about to happen. So it, I stood in the back row. Yeah. And he brought up Jackson Brown who later ah. tested positive for COVID. Oh. He said he got it flying back from a benefit. So a lot of times now, since I'm so tall, I just stand in the back. Because people, yeah. people can be cruel. So I'll just yeah. avoid, avoid conversation, because people get really mad at you if you're tall at one of these shows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm short. I'm 5'5". Five, five. Like, I'm one of those people who's like, let me in the front, please. Totally. We would find a groove for you. It, yeah. It all happen. Yeah. But that was one I'm like, Ah, there's this COVID thing. I'm going to hang it back. But the amazing real last thing I saw was the next day, my buddy was in a reading, a play reading with Al Pacino. What? What? Al Pacino played a 20-year-old. Why? (laughs) Wait, wait. You can't can't just... I need more details here. Al Pacino playing a 20-year-old. Sometimes in theater, like the really cheap seats are up close. Yeah. And I was just there to... Um, That's my favorite. I love being like right there. Oh. oh, I love it. And then I love picking my own seat so I can get an aisle because I got the legs. So by hap- circumstance, I was like 12 feet away from where he was the whole show. And it was a play he did in the 60s. But for him, there's no phoning it in. 
So there's oh, yeah. not one time where it sounds like he's reading. And he's playing a 20-year-old in the Vietnam War. Friend, wow. it was so amazing. That's Pacino. Oh, my God. That, oh, that's so lucky. I See, that's the thing I kind of regret. I didn't go to the theater enough before this, like, lockdown thing. I had, like, planned to go see a bunch of shows, and it just, it all came crashing down. See, never again. When it's over, no. Oh. Yeah. Carrie Foe. That's the name of the, the girl. Carrie Foe. Amazing Carrie rapper. Foe. Yeah. So it came to me. <laughs> Everybody look her out. Download her music. Boom. Comes back on tour. Support it. Yeah. I miss it all. Doors take us to summers away. Or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. TV, I say. You know, I've had plenty of time to watch TV. Uh, oh. What I did watch was We Bear Bears. I got super into it. And I actually, I realized I had watched like a ton of episodes when my nephew came to visit like last summer and I loved it. I watched it with him and just was like, what is this bear show? This is so cool. And then was like, oh, of course, this is like geniuses I loved. I recognize these, these voices. So cool. I know that, that they did the final movie and stuff like that. But I'm just curious about like the voice process. Like I, I see a lot of people on the internet that are just like, he just always is for his. Like that is. You dream about and you hang on hoping you can one day get a chance to do. Pinch myself all the time. It's, you know, very, very similar to me. And I love Daniel Chong so much, the creator, because he's the real beating heart of all of it. And we, we worked a lot early on to really figure out Grizz. And, and he would always have me keep him real. Yeah. I, I like that. I don't. It's one of those just like ageless shows where just I, I feel like my nephew liked watching it with me because he's like, oh, she's older and she's laughing at some things, and he'd be like, what? What does that mean? And I would just be like, oh, this is that was like an inside joke about how you know life sucks. <laughs> so you know, it's just one of those really fun shows that you can watch, like regular show and the, the Adventure Time. Thank you. I just think oh that's really gosh. cool. I had no clue. I love it. It's oh. One, right and like yeah when it's happy parents that's where you're like boy we did our our job okay if parents are happy tuning in because there's they work so hard and to be able to give them a show they can enjoy that's where you just you get so happy yeah did you watch uh soul yes yeah i, I felt it. i loved it that's how i felt I about soul it. it was one of those things where i was like i want to show this to my nieces my nev every kid i know and also i just loved it uh just it was yeah. beautiful. I, I, I cried. Oh, yeah. I, I just loved it. And yeah. it was one of those, same with Coco. Did you see Coco? Oh, of course. Coco is oh so beautiful. It's one of those where you kind of like, I'll give it 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you just fall for it. And it's the yeah. best feeling. 
Yeah, I see. I'm all about that. I, I'm still all about the just like heart on my sleeve in the emotion of it. Don't care. I'm not too bad to cry at a Disney movie at a Pixar movie. No, like let the emotion take me. Yeah, it should be the goal. Yeah. I just loved it. And how great was the voice acting in it? So, so good. And I know Tina Fey got some backlash. I thought all of that was pretty silly. I Yeah, I get, sure, whatever. I thought it was silly. It's a beautiful movie. She's playing a nebulous being of a soul. And it was the perfect energy. She's supposed to sound like the most annoying person. And that the way she hit it, I was just like, it's hilarious. I, it was amazing. I, I, I just loved it. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious about voice acting. I, I've recently like thought about it and I've been doing some more like, I think that growing up, all my friends were like, you are monotone, you sound like Daria. And recently people have been asking me to like read stuff. And I've just been like, I don't know, how do you get into this process? How do you like, how do you figure it out when you're just like on your own trying to figure out these characters who aren't real people? I think the, the super fun thing is you get to find a way to make them real people. And you double down on you. So the more you just figure out who you are and be exactly you, there's no better you. But I've heard these voiceover actors. They are amazing. The ones who can do all the voices like Jeff Bennett, Kevin Michael Richardson. If you're coming in trying to nail an accent or a character or something like, that's a tough game. Those, they're on another level. But you can do you. I can do me. That's it. You do you. Nobody can do a better you. And it's amazing. And it's a gift because it's very funny because of Grizz now I get to play other things where I want to do cartoons so bad, but because of my size and how I look, bouncers, henchmen, guy getting killed very early. (laughs) And I'm like, I know I look like this, but there's got to be a way to show people who I am. And then Grizz is allowed allowed it to happen. Yeah. Ah, that's so great. But I also think another role where we got to see this other side, and I want to talk about this show too, Drunk History. R.I.P., first of all, I'm angry. I want it back. Some H- I don't think it's on, gone. Do you? I don't think, I don't think it's gone. You, I feel like you know better than me. But. Well, no, I don't know anything other than the news. Whenever people get, same with We Bear Bears, I'm like, guys, nothing dies. Yeah. Everything's alive. There's better places to put your energy because everything's alive. My yeah. favorite show, when I, you were talking about what I watched growing up, I was would watch every episode of Twin Peaks with my mother on the couch. And then 30 years later, I, I get to be on it. How does, oh my God, nothing right? Goes yeah. Away. Nothing goes away. Nothing everything goes away. Around. Like, don't ever get too sad about a TV show getting canceled because everything comes back. Yeah. And that that's like, I feel every comedian you dream of like being on Drunk History, like that is the affirmation of like, I've made it in some way. Like I have recognition. I get to drunkenly tell a story in history. <laughs> oh, friend. It's the, it's the weirdest, most insane gig. What was it like to do it? I mean... I, I'm always curious if the the drunkenness is like played up, how real that is. I wish. It's <laughs> like my wife is the hero of it. The two major heroes of drunk history that make me look cool on there are my wife and the editor. You don't know I've sat in this living room over here, babbled about my dogs for two hours. I once told the was supposed to tell the story of the Navajo Code Talkers, a sacred duty was too obliterated to, to tell <laughs> Because yeah. I often smoked weed, and they put in a rule that you couldn't smoke weed. 
That was what I was always curious about because I was like, I'm going to smoke weed. And like, just even in this conversation, you can see I'm smoking weed and I've gotten so off track. I had talking points and I'm just like, whatever. This is the drunk history equivalent to like a drink and a half and you're still loving it. The problem is the drunk history is they push you through that to a very uncomfortable place that you turn into an idiot and you don't remember it. And Derek says that every single drunk history narrator emails him the next morning and apologizes. That's amazing. And I know for me, I emailed Derek and Jeremy once to say, don't pay me. (laughs) I don't. I'm so sorry, guys. But that's the whole thing. Yeah. You have a whole thing you wanted to do. Exactly. You're never allowed to do it. Anybody coming in with a, with an agenda on drunk history is going to lose it eventually with enough booze. Gosh, we need this. This, uh, How can you get rid of something like that? That's just, it's a, like a rite of passage. I mean, also because history is, and I think Derek right, really yeah. illustrated it and got such a passion. History is alive. Yeah. Everything we're seeing right now that's going on can be traced at different points in history, and it's wild to look at. Yeah. And when you look at sort of like this big wave of TikTok comedy right now, I mean, all of the lip singing stuff, that's drunk history. And then so much of it is just people on TikTok just talking about history that I thought everyone knew. And then I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, I guess like they're not teaching 19 year olds this anymore. And I learned this in high school from drunk history, actually. (laughs) And I'm starting to realize like, yeah, we need these shows. This is come on. I mean, Derek and, and Jeremy, and then we got to give a, a huge shout out to Neil Mahoney. Oh, uh, yeah. An editor just passed away, but he was the best comedy editor. And He's he so good. Direct, he already did. He directed like the Thrilling Adventure Hour show, but like Neil Mahoney, the editors are also, Derek and Jeremy, the first of the editors of the Heroes of Drunk History. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was re- revisiting some of Neil's episodes of uh, Key and Peel and just. So good. So funny. Just uh, the um, beats that that show hit and just the editing is what does it. I, oh, I was going to ask uh, about him. So I'm, I'm glad it came up. because Oh, he, he was in also one of those, you know, the, the best thing you can say about somebody is like, I was happy when I saw him at a party. Yeah. And like, you know, you're going to talk to a great human full of interesting stuff. And then it's also one of those funny character actor things I found over time that's hilarious and wonderful is the editor knows me really well. And I've maybe even never met them. They have stared into me and like, you know, <laughs> the veil's pretty thin when I act and it was so they really know you. So it's a really funny way to start a friendship off. Yeah. Stared at you and it's stared at your soul and they know you. It's yeah. Funny. That's so cool. Especially in key and peel. There are just times when it's like the, the beats that it hits I don't know. It's just like, it's not just simple editing, but it just adds to their individual intonation of a joke. It's just like, that just adds to the Jordan Peele touch of it. That was one of my absolute favorite ones to guest on. Oh. Because I was the security guard rolling out. He pulls up the hoodie and he looks white. Yeah. And I remember getting that. And I think somebody's like, well, it's pretty small. I don't even think you have a line. And then I read it. I'm like, are you kidding? This is a gift. Yeah. It's key. Like, yeah. And they're so full of joy, and it's just like Drunk History. Everybody there is happy. Derek's production company is called Be Nice or Go Home. And, like, Key and Peele, everyone there is so 
full of joy to be there. And those guys are just geniuses creating on the spot, but also a clear idea with what they've written. And yeah. I couldn't believe I got to all, all these things. It's like constantly you're the new kid in school. And for me, they're like fantasy camps. Like if I were going to play with the White Sox or Dodgers, where I get to show up on these sets and do this, it's like... Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have, like, the most fun, nicest, nice guy resume in Hollywood. Like, it's just all the shows I'm like, I'd love to hang out with the people at the Goldbergs. They're so sweet to me. I I don't even know Adam Goldberg, but anytime I tweet about the show, he'll, like, reply on Twitter. He's, like, very into fan engagement. Like, I'll just be like, oh, that was a funny joke on the Goldbergs when they did this. And he's just like, thanks, it was inspired by that. And I'm like, wow. Like, wow, thanks so much, dude. This is super cool. Another joyous set. And yeah. Jeff Garland is hysterical. Oh, he's so good in it. Yeah, I love family sitcoms. And the Goldbergs is one. I, people, first of all, most of my friends are like, I've never heard of it. And I'm like, well, it's been on for years. <laughs> you need to watch like five seasons. It's great. And uh, I did also want to talk about Hoops. I watched all of that when it came <laughs> out. <laughs> What an, it's an amazing cast. Uh, Natasha Legero is in it. I always shout her out because she's from Rockford. We're from the same hometown, so had to shout her out. I thought it was hilarious. I loved the voice acting in it. It was just a lot of people that I was always like, these are people that I want to hear doing voice work. It's so funny, and it just makes me laugh. And then also, it's one of those, like, I think something that surprised me about moving to Los Angeles is how genuinely loyal people I've met and friends I've made. And, you know, Jake Johnson and Ben Hoffman just insisted I play that part. <laughs> you know, very loosely based on me, of course. And it was so fun to show up. And then Jake would just make me laugh doing that voice. That was really surprising to me. I honestly, I will say, I did not think he'd be that great at voice work. And that was totally my new girl bias. And I love new girl. But to me, he's just so that character that I was like, oh. I don't know, him doing voice work. And then it was just so good. It just... And did you see Spider-Verse? Oh, of course. Yeah. To me, it's like a guitar tone, like Neil Young's guitar tone. Like certain people just have a little bit more. And Jake is just able to communicate yeah. a little bit more. Like I will, Yeah, I did Spider-Man. think in Spider-Verse, to me, it was like an extension of Nick. That character was very Nick-esque. And I mean, I attracted to both of them. Love Nick, love Jade. Oh my gosh. So to me, I was like, this makes sense. And then I was like, I don't know, seeing him push himself to do something that was a little more like high volume. Oh my gosh, dog. <laughs> high volume and comical was great. There's a dog on screen, everybody. Oh my gosh. What's, is, what's their name? This is Liberace, a.k.a. Lee, a.k.a. Mimu. Hey, Lee. Oh yeah. Uh, He's a legend. He knew that there was some kind of interview going on. And he <laughs> felt she didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I wish I had a dog. One will find you. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. I don't know. In things in my life, I just kind of let them, you know, come as they do. And I know someday I'm going to move into a place with like a yard and it'll it'll all come together. It's like going to the lot at a fish show. It Boom. That's it. Full circle right there. Boom. Just like going to a lot of... Every, life is a fish show. Well, that was like everything on my list to talk about. What are you watching like right now to get through quarantine? Okay. I mean, what's your big TV watches? Thank God my wife pushes me to watch stuff. We watch Queen's Gambit and I oh, loved it. Loved it. And we just watched all of Bridgerton. Oh my gosh. We got to talk about both of these. Okay. Okay. We're talking about. I believe it's a show I ended up watching every minute of uh, getting super into. But it's so good, right? 
I loved it. Yeah. It, I, I, yeah. Loved it. I mean, it was eminently who, were, who were you rooting for in Bridgerton? Like, who was your person? I feel like, ev- like, I loved Eloise. I was like, yes, girl, get your mystery. Fine, you know, lady, whatever her name is. So who was your person? For me, this is the sad part of being a character actor. I look at, like, the degenerate gambler dad. <laughs> That's where I'm... And I'm was like, so oh, good. He makes me so angry. And I know, he, I'm sure he's sweet as pumpkins offset, second they yell cut. But there <laughs> were so many of those performances in, in this that I just loved. And yeah. Guys that would that would come on... Uh. Every, like, evil glare he would throw, like, when he'd be at the boxing match, I was just like, oh, he's up oh, to something. Wow. He has a secret. It, it was really great. I wrote a thing about how the premise of the whole show is basically, like, one girl's quest to, like, get this guy's jizz. And he just <laughs> won't give it to her. Like, every scene where he, like, pulls out, it's, like, the way they cut it, it's just, like, him throwing himself across the room, and it's so funny to me. I mean, it's it that ha- I don't even know if he did that or if that was his stunt double because he was yeah. across the room. <laughs> it's, that, yeah, it was, was just like oh. at his father. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but he was mad at his father. The guy was a jerk. <laughs> I get it, but you watch him work through it, man. You watch him work through it. You do see him work through it, and that that's the strength of the show. And then Queen's Gambit, I just interviewed Moses Ingram, who played Jolene on the show for Elle magazine. So that's out. That came out like oh, the last day of the really. Yeah, and it was really cool to talk to her about the role because there had been so much like controversy about, you know, the the character being a stereotype and to just like hear it in her own words, how she crafted it, how she was just like, you know, Jolene was always going to get her money back. Like, why were people kind of just like, she just gave through her dream away to like help a white girl. And she was like, no, you're reading that into it. So yeah, it was cool to talk to her. What did you think of the show? I mean, it was again, one of those. I'm like, I'll try it. I'll give it one. And then you're just completely yeah. in. It's a day later and you're like, oh my gosh. I did not think I could be that into chess. I was, yeah. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And again, I love the janitor that taught her chess. Yeah, he was great. And Mr. Yeah. And what I love is I'll go down to IMDb Vortex rabbit hole, looking people up. And it's just so fun. But both of those just, you could just tell that the creators loved acting. It meant so much to them. They really let them shape those roles. That's the beauty of it. Those are my favorite people to watch in shows too. You too. I had a theater teacher growing up and she was always like, the biggest role I ever had was on Broadway. And I, I got the role of like a nurse and I just had one part and it was like sweeping a thing across the stage. And she was like, I practiced all the time. I would like mime sweeping to like get into it because I, I knew no small parts then she like did the show and the play got like panned everyone was like it sucks but someone was like the nurse was great <laughs> the nurse did a great job she was she was really good and she was just like so there you go and i was like boom you can always be that light oh yeah and if somehow in a horrible situation let's say the project is not well received or or well made you can still look good in theory if, if other stuff is bad then you, you'll be even more interesting and memorable from it and one of my funny character ideas I found is a lot of times you make the best friends on the worst movies. Yeah. It's really a funny, funny, true thing. And yeah. Also- that, like just experiencing that together. I, and what I always love about that is like people will always be like, oh, why would this like so-and-so like do this like weird kid movie or whatever? And it's like, 
why wouldn't you? A generation of children is going to be like that person who had like a bucket stuck on their head is the funniest person in the world. And the great stuff with any kids entertainment is, is it's always live. So you're not just making it for that year. We're like, I was in hotel for dogs and people would be like, why is Don Cheadle in hotel for dogs? Oh my, yeah. my nieces literally, love literally that movie. Yeah, hotel Rwanda. Yeah. Well, in hotel Rwanda to hotel for dogs. And it's like, Hotel. My nieces love that movie so yeah. much. I love it. And it's one of those things, it's, it's one of those funny movies that's still weirdly alive. You never know what other job will come about from somebody watching you be the evil dog catcher. Yeah. And I would just sit there and I get to watch Don Cheadle act. And then I remember one of the coolest things I ever saw was it was when the writers were on strike. And we were still shooting. And there was kind of quasi a picket line, but we weren't crossing a picket line. They were just like, they were there to protest and be known. So we shoot a scene and they break for lunch. Then by agreement, the writers start protesting. Don Cheadle picks up a sign and just starts marching. With That's, That's so cool. Most things I've ever seen where, and he didn't do it for attention. Nobody took a picture. Yeah. He just seems really cool. And the projects he does. I love black Monday. It's so funny. The Showtime show. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you got to try. It started. It's a comedy. He's in it. Did you watch like Living Single? Did you watch a lot of black TV? That's what I studied in school. Oh, did you really? My thesis was in the history of black television. So I focused on like the growth from sort of what was the old golden era of TV that gave us good times. And kind of the growth from good times and before that, like Julia to the modern wave at that time, which was like scandal when I was in college. But yeah, did you like watch a ton of black shows growing up? I did. And I I was super into hip hop and I would watch BET every day coming home and the videos and I loved it. And then I also loved rock. I remember that show. It's so hard to get episodes of it now. It's so hard to find episodes of rock. And they would do rock live where he like a stage play. Yeah, it's one of the first shows to do that. And that's why I like wanted to include it in my thesis. And I was looking for those live episodes. It's so hard. But they they paved the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know your TV. Of course you do. You're I like little... grew up sitting, Come on. sitting at it. This is all a dream. You know, it's crazy. It's such an honor to talk to you. You're the people who make TV, the real like heart of it, you know, and you're in you're in all the shows. You know, it's for so someone cool. like me who loves TV, who studies it, thank you. It's a dream. Thank you, friend. I think when this is all over, you gotta come to a dead and company show. Yeah. It's John Mayer is great. And it's so funny to say, Jesus, the guy's great. But that lot, yeah, friend, that lot, you will be loving it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. I don't know if I should be embarrassed for loving fish and the dead. I don't think so. Sometimes people are like, wow. And I'm just like, no, yeah, I grew up in the Midwest. I started smoking weed very young. It's just part of the culture. I mean, I got into the dead late, like mid thirties, maybe. I would see the deadheads in high school and be like, man, that's crazy. They're following that guy around. Yeah. I'd done. I was like hip hop and like nerding out with it. This is maybe middle of 2019, but I saw that Ali Shaheed Muhammad was doing his jazz show. And it's a great concert venue. It's on York Highland Park. Great spot. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not LA enough to know the names of things. Oh, like yeah. I have a source magazine that Nerdy Kid Me got signed by Q-Tip and then Fife. And I snuck back to stage when I was like 15 years old. 
Yeah. Uh, I used to love sneaking backstage at shows to try oh. to get, oh, to I still try do. to get, yeah. I would always try to get the set list. I would like stay at the very end and like, I'd be one of those kids like right at the front, like I'm getting the set list. I want to get the set list. Oh yeah. And then I try to get it autographed. And would you get it autographed? Oh yeah, I got I got an oh, Andrew yeah. Bird uh, set list autograph. Oh, are you kidding? I oh, love that dude. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, and it was for my birthday and oh, your birthday. But yeah, and he sang his song "Happy Birthday." He like sang a little note of it. He was like, "It's your what? birthday." He signed it, and I like yeah, had it framed like on my wall. Oh. I have a Saint Vincent that she signed. I I was obsessed with it. I would like really like bully my way to the front to try to get a set. I have some dumb ones. Do you remember the band Black Kids? No. That's fine. You shouldn't. The, yeah, it does not matter. But I was like, they did Lollapalooza one year and I was like, holy fucking shit, I got to get the Black Kids set list. They're only famous because when their album came out, Pitchfork wrote a review and it just said, we're sorry. And it had a video of puppies because Pitchfork had really hyped this band up. And then they just like panned their first album. And it was really mean because it wasn't a bad album. It was fine. But yeah, I like had that set list. I still do. I'm, I'm still proud of it. You're saying that that review is harsh. And I'm like, I feel like there's an empathy in what you write. One thing I would say as an actor, just to get out there, that's funny. There's no time a director will ever let a scene end or go on if it's something he doesn't like. Yeah. It's always, a lot of ones will get you better and then some will not get you better. But I'm like, I'll see a review sometimes of like a 17 or an 18 year old kid getting a bad review and I'm like, oh man, you can't do that. Not to somebody yeah. that is. I try to have a lot of empathy because I think I understand a lot of times where people, actors, writers have choices and where certain things aren't, you know, the, the creator's choice. You know, and I think I can look at a reality where it's like, okay, clearly a network had wanted this in a show and they made them do this. So why would you kind of hold that against the cast as a whole or against this when you're, you can see the intent. So I think it's more important to look at, you know, what is the show trying to do within a context? And a lot of people don't want to critique that way. And maybe, you know, I, I do write and I do comedy. So also a lot of times I can see both sides of it where I'm just like, you know, this is what you were trying to do. And maybe you didn't get to do it. You failed because it was your own fault, but maybe also it was these other things. But I think most of the time now, like people critique because being mean is what blows up. It's like, that's people want to read the harshest review or like a pan of this. That's what, you know, is going to get shared. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's a fun way to even engage with media. Like this show there's no bad TV here. Like I think all TV, all media is good. And it's like, you know, you can talk about the things that you're like, Oh, maybe wasn't as successful, but like in the end, it's all good. Like everything is just, it just shows us a different part of this big old thing called culture. Like I just love TV. That's awesome. Just doing the best they can, you know? Yeah, there's so many shows where people are like, that's the worst thing in the world. Oh my gosh, how can they, those people should just die for making it. And I'm just like, are you, calm down. It wasn't made for them. Yeah, it wasn't made, you're not the audience. There's like, just some people, you and I sitting there for a song that lasts for 30 minutes. And that's <laughs> the best thing in the world to us. Yeah. That's something that a lot of people don't feel that way. No, yeah. Oh they, my God, I have so many friends who are. In the world do not agree. But to people that love it, we love it. And that's we love it. When I road trip, I'll like play fish on road trips and my friends are just like, Ashley, you got to fucking not do this. We can't. Like, no. 
They're like, well, you gotta fucking turn off this fish bootleg. And it's just, you're not the audience. I won't force you to be the audience. See, I could, I'm not a fish guy, but I could do easily deal with fish on a road trip. I would be great with it. Yeah. I, and I, I'll ease them in. I do like Farmhouse. I feel like Farmhouse is like the easiest intro to fish album. Oh, okay. I just saw them. I went to it. And then I was like, yeah, this is really cool. And then yeah. it was interesting to trade the dead show. And then I saw him at the forum. And I was like, oh, wow. Stuff like that improvising the spot is my favorite. It's a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, I love it. And oh, yeah, yeah, growing up in Rockford, they would always play up in Wisconsin at uh, Alpine Valley, this like weird stadium-esque thing. Uh, and I would just drive up there with the hippie kids I knew. Wow. There's Grateful yeah. Dead Alpine Valley bootlegs. Yeah. I love on this streaming system I use for music now has so many Grateful Dead live albums. I love the bootlegs. Like the, I miss like, I used to use LimeWire to like find the bootlegs people would upload. I mean, there's, there's shows that are just magical to me that I really want to find. And I'm also one of those nerds about audio quality. Yeah. You know, I used to be that way. I used to be very like, I need everything to be flack lossless. Like, oh my gosh. And then yeah. I don't know what happened. I just, I think Steel. as I started writing Steel. more and got into TV, I just, now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Like this can just be on Spotify, whatever quality, like one earbud in while I'm watching TV. Yeah, this sounds cool. <laughs> I drive my friends insane on road trips because I will make, <laughs> I bring my DAC converter. I won't let my buddy play music if it's from a MP3. And he's like, there's no difference. Like, I can feel it. I can feel it. We're, we're not looking at a map. We're just getting on the road. We can feel it. There is a difference. I swear. You feel I, it. I, there's I, a difference. I love it. So now I get that Amazon high def. Because Neil Young told us to all get off a of title. He has his own newspaper. And, oh, you know, I didn't know we weren't supposed to use title. I do still use, I have it just because I support Beyonce's husband. I love it. I love that it's artist owned. Yeah, and their system is great. And then now Neil Young's just mad because it's their mastering. It's his system versus his. Right. He's the editor of his own little paper on his website, and he's like, "Until title labels these their masters, I'm done. I'm out." And all his songs are gone. So it's hilarious. So right now, wow, right I had now, no idea that like he had beef with Beyonce's husband. No, no, and it's, well, it's probably because he doesn't own part of the company. Yeah, that's true. Jay-Z, he sells weed now. Have you tried it? Uh, no, really? Yeah it's, yeah, it's called Monogram. I actually tried it last weekend. It's not great, actually. Well, it is, but it's like, I mean, Jay-Z is a hustler and you're getting hustled. It's the tiniest joints, the really? tiniest. Yeah, it's like $65 for an eighth. No, thank you. And then the pre-rolls, because they, they only had the eighth and I was like, I'm not spending $65, so I got a pack of pre-rolls. They're just like the miniest, tiniest little, it's like a gram across four pre-rolls. To which then, if I smoke this, this better be the greatest thing. Yeah, it better send me to the moon. If it's ridiculous, I'm happy. I'll pay for for value and quality. If he's going to sell these little joints, they better really knock you on your ass. Because I I associate his name with quality, Quality. quality over years. Yeah. And no, this, I was disappointed. I was like, I just got played. You're paying for the packaging. You know, it's for the person who just, I I think wants the vibe. I was, I was a little sad. 
But I mean, I smoked it. It got me high. So. Well, yeah, that's the great thing. It'll still work. You just have more of it. Yeah. And then, you know, just mix in. You improvise. Yeah. Well, Eric, we have gone for an hour. So like, thank you so much for this just like high sprawling conversation. I really loved it. We talked about so many things I love talking about that I did not think would come up. Music. But music. That's how we connect. We find each other. Yeah, it's a jam. It's all one song. Boom. It just vibes, jamming. That's what, that's what this convo was. The other, I'll just sneak it in. The greatest improviser of them all. Did you ever get to see Prince live? No. Oh, my, I oh. wish. For jam band people, he combines jam band with, like, everything else. Yeah. And so there's no, like, Neil Young's my guy, but there's nobody uh, at that level. Yeah, my, my sister is obsessed with Prince. Like, has posters of him still everywhere in her house. She's seen him a million times. I never got to. That's, I, I regret every day. Okay, next time I'm on, I'll tell the story about sneaking backstage at a print show. Okay, yeah. To be continued. You're going to be back. Thank you, friend of the pod. Oh my gosh, this was so great. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this extra special, extra long episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I will not hold you any longer if you're still even listening. Some brief homework for next week's episode. 90 Day Fiance The Single Life is premiering this weekend on Discovery+. Plus. I cannot wait to see how they spin off a show about marriage into being single. So, you know, they have some really good contestants back. I call them contestants. These are like real people dating on 90 Day Fiance. They're not contestants. It's not a game show. But uh, it has Molly, Big Ed, Muhammad, and Danielle. It it should be good television. Brittany is on it, even though I didn't really like her in her season. But I can't wait for 90 Day The Single Life. I try not to always talk about 90 Day Fiance on this podcast because it's about all TV, not just 90 Day. But you should watch Single Life and obviously 90 Day Fiance because I still write about it on Vulture. It's my life. I love it. It's my baby. Anyway, that is TV I Say. If you enjoyed the pod, as always, rate and review. Give us five stars. Feel free to join the Patreon, join the newsletter, get that stuff right in your inbox. TV suggestions. That's all I got for you. Thanks so much for listening. The TV I Say theme song was made by Rafia Santana, and our artwork was created by Chastity Hyman. TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say. take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways your dedicated fidelity advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened visit fidelity.com wealth investment minimum supply fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sipc Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 